Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have probably learned that at some point, your faith will cost you something. If you have not experienced that yet, it's only a matter of time. While that may discourage you, remember the words of the Apostle Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? Perhaps you're thinking that you don't want your faith to be costly. If that's you, please remember our entry to heaven cost Jesus his life, which means there will be a Christ-glorifying cost for us all as well. In Daniel chapter 6, we learn how this will grow your faith. Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Costly Faith. Well, for every true follower of Jesus, sooner or later, your faith is going to cost you something. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. For Daniel, who was a prisoner of war in Babylon because of the sin of the people of God, they had been warned for over 100 years by the prophets, God said, if you don't stop sinning and worshiping other gods and doing what you're doing, I'm gonna allow an enemy come in to conquer you. It happened. They conquered Jerusalem. They took prisoners of war back to Babylon, Daniel being one of them. Although he's doing well in Babylon, he's been there now in chapter six here, about 70 years. He came as a teenager. Today, we're gonna see that his faith and his faithfulness may actually cost him his life. Daniel needs to learn, just like all of us, although it seems like he has already learned, that God can save those who trust in him and remain faithful to him from certain death. The same thing happened in chapter three to Daniel's three friends, and hopefully that encouraged the people who are in Babylon, who are still captives there, to be faithful and my hope and my prayer is that it encourages all of us today as well. But let's be honest. Sometimes that's not the way it works, is it? Sometimes we sit in church and we're like, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. And before we hit Route 80, for some of us, it's Route 46. So if you're, far, if you're watching from far away, Route 80's a little over a mile. Route 46 is, well, a half mile, a quarter mile away. You already forget what you've learned in church. And one of the things that I, I tried to do when I first became a Christian, you know, many of you know that I sat in the congregation for many years before I became a Christian later in life, but sat in the congregation many years before I became a preacher was I didn't want sermons just to be for Sunday morning. So I always tried to have something that I could take to work with me all week. If you, what I used to call it, taking a doggy bag home. And I used to take notes all the time. You know, uh, I would always have, Pam would always sit on my left and I would sit on my right so I could write with my right hand. And I would take a piece of paper and I would draw a line, two thirds on the top, one third on the bottom. The two thirds on the, pot, on the top would be notes about what the sermon was about. And the one third was the stuff that I could personally apply or I felt God wanted me to think about or to do during the week. So I didn't want sermons or Sunday morning just to be about Sunday morning. I didn't want to leave and have it just be that. I wanted it to be something I could take to work, I could take with my family, I could take into my relationships, I could take into my own prayer life. Because, you know, it's, it's really easy to follow the world's religion, isn't it? You know what the world's religion is? You live for yourself. 
It's so easy for that to happen. And if we're not careful and we allow it, it very easily creeps into our hearts. The temptation for all of us is to ignore the word of God, to try to mix our philosophy of living with the word of God. And then a lot of us, what do we try and do? We try and fit in with the world. And if you are a true follower of Jesus, trying to fit in with the world, you are a square peg trying and going into a round hole. That's just the way it is. You're just going to have to accept it. It seems safe. It seems easier. But is it really? So the soul-searching question becomes, is it really safer? Is it really easier? And who or what are we living for? Daniel, again, now been in Babylon for, for 70 years, consistently probably had to live and risk his life for his faith in God. You know, it's interesting. Scholars tell us in the entirety of the book of Daniel, we only get about nine days of his life. Imagine that, 70, 80 years of your life compiled into nine days. Now, I think we're supposed to figure out that in those days, that that is a good character of what the rest of the days were like. What about you? What about me? We all are going to die if the Lord does not return. Do you know that? Some, some people are not so sure about that. Some people say to me, well, Pastor Jim, I'm thinking about buying life insurance in case I die. I go, in case you die. <laughs> but probably, honestly, in the United States of America, we're not going to die for our faith. However, in many ways, the people who were in Babylon from Jerusalem were called exiles. In many ways, followers of Jesus are exiles. We are strangers in a foreign land. This place is not our home but for a lot of us, this is the only land which we know. So we say that Daniel's been there 70 years. So what about the people who are 40 that were born there? Babylon is all they know. And so they have the scriptures and the prophets like we do, and they're, and they're, and they're going through learning things about the word of God, and they have to somehow figure out, I'm a person from another place, but I live here how do I live here in light of the fact that really this is not my home? A true Jew, maybe they got, some got very used to Babylon, but a true Jew would say, this is not my home. I come from Jerusalem. I, I come from Judah. I come from the promised land. And we are to remain faithful to God at times when it's easier or it seems easier not to be. We are to continue to trust the Lord for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But that at various points will come with some sort of a cost. And so the title of our message today is Costly Faith. Well, chapter five, we left off last time with the Medes and Persians. They've, they've conquered Babylon. So now Daniel is living in Babylon, but it's under the Mede and Persian Empire. Chapter 6, verse 1 says this, it pleased Darius. Now, um, some people say, pronounce that Darius, but I say Darius because the only Darius I've ever met in my life, I've met him, the only one I know is from Hootie and the Blowfish. So that's why I'm using that. Some of you younger people are like, who is Hootie and the Blowfish? Google it, baby, Google it. <laughs> Google can be your friend. 
pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120, some people say satraps, I say satraps, it's just shorter. Uh, that would be local government officials, 120 of them. Uh, literally, it means protectors of the kingdom to be over or to rule the whole kingdom. So he comes in, they conquer Babylon, and immediately, first thing he gets to it, he divides the kingdom. It's this massive kingdom. He divides it up to, into 120 districts. So they're going to be what? Collecting taxes. That was the most important thing these guys had to do. And so he, he appoints over them. Okay, verse 2, it says, over these, the 120, three governors. Some of your versions say high officials. Uh, some say uh, commissioners of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account or be accountable for what? For the taxes collected to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So what? So the king wouldn't be defrauded so he wouldn't be ripped off. So what does Darius do right away? He quickly sets up a system to weed out Government corruption. Can you imagine it? Government corruption. I'm shocked when I read this in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? So what is he trying to do? Well, he comes in and he realizes that there's a Babylon swamp in the government. So he's going to clean up the swamp, which will undoubtedly become the Persian swamp. And so he, he wants to clean uh, all of that up. And he sets up 120 districts and guys to collect the taxes. And then he sets three men over the 120. And these guys answer directly to the king. And one of them is our man, Daniel. Now, let's be honest for one second. What would the temptation be for Daniel to steal? Now, don't be all high and mighty here. You have lived as a stranger in this foreign land for 70 years. They not only took everything from you, the Babylonians, they took you from your country. They killed your friends. People, maybe your parents or your aunts and uncles or older friends or other friends, they couldn't wait to get back to lay their eyes on Jerusalem. Daniel never will. And they have died in Babylon. How easy would it be to be bitter towards Babylon and every chance you had to rip off that government? Who cares about the Medes and the Persians? Ever, ever said that you, how easy would it be to rationalize that? But because of his integrity, he was promoted. Don't you want that said about you? Don't you want people to say about you, you know, that guy, he can be trusted. That woman, you can totally trust her. That, that's the kind of guy that Daniel was. All those years, he didn't let that bitterness brew in his heart. Why? Because all of those years, while he was serving the king, served Nebuchadnezzar, and even that rotten Belteshazzar, although it appeared he might have been retired, he served the king, but he was really serving who? God. And that's what it's about. That's how you keep the bitterness out of your heart. And the call now to continue to serve comes and he answers the call. Now he could easily say, hey, I'm at retirement age. I don't really care. 
But yet this man, still empowered by the Holy Spirit, wants to serve in any way he can his God and God's people. It's fair to say, I think, that Daniel's trust in the Lord in the midst of all the sin and corruption of Babylon provides a powerful lesson for all of us. We're told in the Bible that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. That was Daniel. What do you mean? Daniel was yanked out of Jerusalem into the culture of Babylon, but the culture of Babylon never got into Daniel. You see, all of us, we, if we are Christians, if you're not a Christian man, I'm glad you're here. Please, get in touch with me during the week. Love to talk to you. Whether you're online, you're sitting in the audience, you're another place in the building here, love to talk to you during the week. I know you say, nobody would ever walk up to you and say, I'm not a Christian at a church. That happens quite often, actually. I love to, to pastor a church where people who are not followers of Jesus come. Actually, they like the sermon. They're like, I don't, I don't like the fluffiness. Of course, God, if God died for my sins, of course he's gonna ask something for me. And so, and so Daniel, he has been, he's been promoted because of his integrity. He lives in the midst of this crazy culture. It says in the Bible, to be in the world, but not of the world. So what, is that, what does that look like? You see, Daniel worked in the government. Daniel knew people who were not followers of Yahweh. So did he withdraw from Babylonian culture? No, not at all. But he would not become like it. And that's the difference. We are not to retreat from this world. But when we see, see things that are inconsistent with the word of God, we are not to become like that. So what was it? His theology was more important to him than the ideology of Babylon. And that's something that really worries me about, concerns me seriously about the church, that it's very easy for us now in this, in this divided political world in which we live in is to allow the ideologies to trump our theology. We can't allow that to happen. We can feel differently about things. That is okay. But at the end of the day, we are brothers and sisters. We're not going to see everything the same way, but we are God's people and we are God's children. Verse three says, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. So what was he? He was a standout in government because an excellent spirit was in him. You might want to underline that in your Bible. And the king gave thought, some of your versions say the king planned to setting him over the whole realm. So now it goes, king, three commissioners, 120 area directors. Now he's thinking, you know what? King, Daniel, two commissioners, maybe appoint a third one, and then the 120. Do you know what he's doing? He's planning in his heart, to make Daniel the prime minister. That's what he is doing, to give him power over everybody else except for him, which is actually what happened in, at the end in Babylon, but it didn't matter because they were conquered. In other words, Daniel had an excellent testimony on his job. He had a great attitude. How's your attitude at your job? Are you working for God? 
at your job or are you working for the man? You serve your boss because you're serving God. He had, he had great ability. He had great wisdom. Now, some of you are familiar with this story. We're not going to get to the, what happens in the lion's den until next week. But some of you, if you're new to the Bible, you, maybe you read ahead and you thought, well, I've seen God you know, do great miracles and saving a guy from a lion's den is a, is a great miracle. But I think there's a greater miracle here. An honest politician. I mean, whoever heard of such a thing? <laughs> That's truly the work of God. And it says here that Daniel was a man who distinguished himself. Yet notice that it was attributed to what? It says, because an excellent spirit was in him. Some of your versions say an extraordinary spirit was in him. So it wasn't because of his ability or his giftedness or his charisma, although those things may have been there. Rather, Daniel excelled in his workplace. And if you do this, and when you get your big raise, remember, I get 10%. <laughs> when you do this in your workplace, it is because, and you serve God, like Daniel, it is because of his walk with God and the work of God in his life. And he brought it to work every day. And he brought it to everything that he did. This is so important what I'm about to say. Please do not miss this. Daniel had become the man that God created him to be. What a worthy goal that is for all of us, particularly young people. Be the person that God has created you to be not the person that he has created someone else to be. If you become the person that God created you to be, you stop trying to be what somebody else is. Use the gifts that God gave you. You will excel and you will enjoy the Christian life. Be who God made you. All kinds of stuff goes on here at the church here. And, you know, I hear people use that just word. I hate when they use that just word. And you hear people say, oh, you know, I see you wearing a name tag. What are you here at the church? Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a greeter. Man, if, you, if, I hear you, if I hear that come out of your mouth, I'm coming for you. I'm telling you, you're not just a greeter. You're not just a parking lot person. You're not just in hospitality. You're not just an usher. You're not just a children's ministry worker. You're not just the bookkeeper. You're not just this. You're not just that. You are a servant of God. When you're on your job, you're not just a this. You are a servant of God. And be who God has created you to be to the best of your ability. If any of you are from the South, you know this expression. Be who you is, don't be who you ain't. God has uniquely wired you to be the person that you are. 
He brings together a group of people in a church with all kinds of different gifts. I just happen to be a guy who, whatever, I just like to read. And I get up in front of a group of people. Most of you know, I don't even really like public speaking. But I don't know what happens. I get up. I read my outline before I come up here. Devil goes, oh, this is going to be a stinker. I go, it's going to be worse than you think, right? And then I get up here, and then something happens to me. If I can't use the word God or Holy Spirit, then I can't tell you what happens. Be who you are. Be happy with who you are. Be faithful with who you are. Verse four, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. By the way, that doesn't mean you didn't improve on who you are. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault. There was no corruption in this guy because he was faithful. What was he? He was trustworthy, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Some versions say there was no negligence. Verse five, very important. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless, you might want to circle that word, unless, we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You know, living for God can get very lonely sometimes. Some of you in your work, in your family, you're very lonely trying to live out your faith. Some of you are a boss where you work. It gets very lonely. You're like, why did I become the boss? I liked it better when I was a worker, when I could sit at the water cooler and complain about the boss. Now they, I know they're all sitting at the water cooler complaining about me. And if that has happened with you, blessing and success often make people jealous, doesn't it? I'm sure you see it. Maybe you, know, you, maybe you bought a house. You finally bought a house. You're like, ah, oh, I bought a house. You put some furniture in it. You invite your family over. You think it's going to be a nice thing. And they're like, ah, nice digs, buddy. Right? Like they're not even, they can't even be happy for you. Doing the right thing, being trustworthy, Serving God by serving your employer can make you a lot of enemies very quickly. Daniel was a worker that every employer dreams of and the kind many coworkers hate, especially if they're lazy because he makes them look bad. It's quite possible Daniel could or they already did bring an end to some of their corrupt side deals. So what do they do? They have a meeting behind his back. They have a meeting behind his back. Now, it's very interesting. Sometimes people say there's inconsistencies in the Bible, but they just don't know how to read the Bible. Let me give you two when it comes to you in the workplace. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How many of us like that? We like that. We like that, right? That's King Darius. He sees that in Daniel. That's it. We like that. 2 Timothy 3.12, the Apostle Paul says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's his co-workers. They're not contradictions. It matters who the people are. It seems to me that we often make the mistake of thinking that if we are faithful in life, that our life is going to run smoothly. What in the world ever gave you that idea? Well, Pastor Jim, let me tell you how I got that. Okay, tell me, do tell me. Some of you right now are going, well, somebody told me one time that God had a wonderful plan for my life. He does. 
He does. But wonderful and smooth are not the same word. <laughs> they don't always agree. Between the Babylonians that are still there, the Medes and Persians that are coming in, Daniel remains a hated Jew who is, as we just said, now being nominated for prime minister. He's an old man in a new world, but the word of God remains unchanged and still applies in Daniel's day and in our day. So the corrupt politicians seek to find corruption in Daniel, but they can't find anything wrong. But they are not dummies. A lot of times we read the Bible and we think that the enemies of God are dummies. They're not dummies. Verse 5, we see they know all they need to do. They, they can't find any corruption in him, but they know this. If we pit the law of the land versus the law of God, Daniel will choose God 365 days a year. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.